Hi listeners, this is Hannah here. I just wanted to take a second before our newest episode to give a huge thank you and shout out to our two new Patreon patrons, uh, Katie and Mark, who have both subscribed at the $5 level, which means that they get our weekly uh, randomly generated plot summary. They get access to all the extended interviews that we have with the guests, including today's guest, Jasper Ford. They get access to the Just the Brainstorming feed in case they ever want to listen to Just the Brainstorming parts without any of the housekeeping or guest interviews. And of course, they get this shout out thanking them so, so much for supporting our work, for supporting this podcast and all that Jenny and I put into this. And if any of the rest of you want to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash somebody write this. Once we reach five patrons, we're going to do a little giveaway on our social medias as a celebration. So if you want to be part of making that happen, come on over, join us, see if you can be our next patron. And uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. The untold story of the last days of Quinn Oldman, a father disturbed by his own non-Victorian feelings. Somebody write this. Hi, and welcome to Somebody Write This, where we use a random plot generator to give us an idea and then brainstorm how that could be a thing somebody might want to write. I'm Hannah. And I'm Jenny, and here to help us with our brainstorming today is Jasper Ford. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me come on your show. Thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) I invited Jasper on after reading his book, The Constant Rabbit. It was actually my favorite book I read last month. And so I was very excited when he agreed to join us. So Jasper, as we were talking a little bit, you mentioned that you you do something called a a narrative dare, which sounds very similar to what we do on this podcast. So tell us a little bit about about it, maybe uh, what it means maybe how it got started. Tell us what that is. Yeah. So so the, the narrative there. Um, well, when, when you're a writer and you've kind of taught yourself to write, and I think most of us teach ourselves to write and we, we have a little bit mm-hmm. of help, but essentially you're teaching yourself. So so I got published and then and then I went on book tours and everyone said, well, uh, how did you come up with this? And, I, and for the first couple <laughs> of years, it was, well, I, I don't really know. I just sort of, you know, thought it up. But as I was, <laughs> you know, we just go, uh, it seemed like fun. You know, why did you have this idea? Right. And I go, well, it seemed like fun. You know, I, I enjoyed it. It was funny. You know, it, it amused me. Mm-hmm. But as you talk more, of course, the wonderful thing about talking, talking to readers, you know, talking to booksellers, you know, talking to publishers, is is that you understand how you wrote, uh, and that's a really weird sort of counterintuitive thing to do something mm. first and then figure out how you did it afterwards. And I think yes. that's one of the most exciting and interesting things for me that I've discovered about my own writing is that. How do you do it? And now I kind of have a weird idea that the way I did it is, as you said, Uh by something called the narrative dare. So what you do is you basically say to yourself, "Okay, Jasper, Humpty Dumpty, he didn't fall, wasn't suicide. He was murdered. Right. Discuss. (laughs) And and you go, "Okay, well, where does this start? And and you start sort of sort of putting it together and you go, well, I think it's police procedural. We need a nursery crime division looking after all the crimes that happen in nursery rhymes and nursery stories. And all of a sudden it kind of it kind of sort of froths out of the out of the nowhere. Um, but the point uh-huh. about narrative dare is you can't let yourself off the hook. You have to carry mm-hmm. on and doing the dare. And because of that you've really got to sometimes dig deep in the authorial toolbox because I mm-hmm. think there's no idea 
too stupid or too silly or too nonsensical that can't work with the right level of narrative storytelling skills. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Does most of your work come out of this kind of perspective? Like, have you have you completed things all the way through to published form with this? Yeah, I mean, this is how I've run my career, my my writing career. You know, I, yeah. I mean, wow. I, I wrote a, I wrote a book about um. Uh, well, this is a narrative dare, and the narrative dare was uh, uh, write write a thriller set in a world in which humans have always hibernated. Hmm. Ooh. Mm, yeah. Okay. Unpack uh-huh. that one. And, and that yeah, was, that was good fun. I mean, that was great fun. Because humans. Which, which book is that? I need to read it. Uh, early, early riser. <laughs> early riser. Early riser. Okay. And, and that, what yeah. it means if 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 we've always hibernated, we've always been like this, and then everything is subtly different. So I can have these mm-hmm. little excursions. If Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, hibernated, how would his plays be slightly different? How would Macbeth mm-hmm. be different? Oh, did, yeah. did 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 um, did Macbeth kill the king when he was in hibernation? The worst taboo of all. So, so all of a sudden, you know, with this just this one sentence, you can mm-hmm. unpack this uh-huh. basically this sort of you know fountain of delights and ideas. And for me, because I like just sort of fizzing off and taking ideas here, there, and everywhere, and just just having a good old explosion of sort of concepts and ideas, mm-hmm. it actually works mm-hmm. really well. You know, I can't use them all, but obviously, but you know, I can mm-hmm. find my narrative thread by just flinging in this narrative dare and just seeing what pops off. I say, I have a question because because that's a lot. That's like what we do here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Now mm. we get our ideas from an AI generator that Hannah <laughs> yeah. has fed things into. Where do, where do you get your dares? Where do those come from? Uh, I, I just I kind of think them up. I I, I just think mm-hmm. up an uh, an odd concept and I think okay, I think that's okay. that could work. So uh, the, my first published book was the air affair and this is um, mm-hmm. the narrative dare is jane eyre is kidnapped out of jane eyre and someone has to mm-hmm. get her back right so so jane eyre has been oh, kidnapped from the original manuscript and because of that everybody's <laughs> books are blank from page 200 onwards okay oh, why is this a big deal how are we going to get her back who's who's kidnapped her what are his demands you know and and everything starts to unpack yeah. as you as you as you read the book. So it's, oh, it's so I just funny. have little little ideas that I kind of like and I go, mm-hmm. okay, well that's a little that's a little narrative dare. I'm sure I can uh, Very nice. I'm sure yeah. I can make that work. So this is interesting to me because I think, you know, a lot of people who are maybe writing more more conventional stories <laughs> mm. might start off with like that one sentence idea, but it's a little it, a little bit more generic, you know, the you know, the girl avenges her father kind of thing. So as a reminder, our synopsis that we that we've generated is the untold story of the last days of Quinn Oldman, a father disturbed by his own non-Victorian feelings. I, I love mm. it when we start out with such a clear protagonist. Yes, <laughs> doesn't always yeah. happen. Right. So, what does non-Victorian feelings mean? And is he actually like in a Victorian era, or is or not? Yeah, I mean, this is great fun because we've got a double negative straight away in in, yeah, in that, right. <laughs> in that, and it's like the untold story. So it's like, uh, well, uh, yeah. if it's untold, then we don't know about it. So is this an inferred narrative <laughs> or something, mm-hmm. which could be could be interesting? So we could be telling a story that isn't about what we're telling the story about, and that excites oh. me. Do you Ooh, see what I mean? Yeah. So so yeah, what you've got is you've got 
Yeah. So, so what you've got is a story about one thing, because this is this is what we aim to do all the time, isn't it? A story about one thing, but then the subtext is screaming out something yes. else. Well, because so that was exactly my question that... with the word untold. Yeah. I thought, okay, well, exactly. if it's the untold story, yeah. then we know then there is a told story about Quinn Oldman, and Ex- what is that story? That's, <laughs> that that's right. So I would tell the told story, and I and I would be telling a told story, and. Yeah. The the readers are, are going to get the subtext story that goes the that goes one with it, mm. the untold one that's running along underneath, and it it might never be a hundred percent resolved, but there will be all sorts of clues there that would give give you an idea of what yeah. this untold story is. That is because he could just work as a carpet salesman or something, but yeah, there's right. something clearly you know clearly going on in his life that is always alluded to in some. It kind of little oblique ways, but we never exactly. actually, we never actually are told directly, yeah. and and that is a really nice challenge for me. That's a real yeah. narrative there. <laughs> I I like that almost Isn't like it? we're we're putting together a, a mystery, a puzzle for the for the readers to kind of follow yeah. along and pick up on all the subtext and 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and in a mystery, you know, they typically put it all together for us at the end, but maybe maybe we don't. <laughs> maybe we leave it up no. and some of the readers are like, this was a nice told story of Quinn Oldman. And some readers are like, no, no, you missed it. <laughs> yeah, you totally 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 missed it. So yeah, I mean I think I think that I think that could work quite well. I mean it'd be quite tricky to do, but I I do like yeah. that as a challenge. And also of course the great thing about it is because uh uh readers love to be rewarded right yes. you know reward your readers it's a great uh, goldman quote and and I, and the thing about readers is they they like to be they like to be kind of ahead of the game sometimes and they're not so ahead of the game another time so you mm-hmm. could like infer one sort of narrative that's going on yeah. and then in fact you find that 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 isn't actually what's going on either and it, it also you can uh, you've always got to respect your your readers intelligence because they're very very yes. clever they've read an awful lot of books and they really know how this stuff works so <laughs> mm-hmm. i think i think it could be a real i mean i'm just making notes here now you know this yeah, could yeah. be my next book the untold hey, story oh, um, so um, oh my gosh. yeah yeah um uh, and i think actually a, a book that is this would be a book for readers wouldn't it yeah yes i mean a, really a book for readers it's it, readers yeah. who see themselves as writers so, yeah. so now we know that there's a told story and an untold story. What are these stories? Who is Quinn Oldman? We know he's a father. This is all we know. That's my question is whether the pieces that we know, are they the mm. told portion and there's something else underneath? Or is it, the, is it the, the untold portion that we're hiding? Like, I'm wondering if maybe the last days of Quinn Oldman, if maybe the part of the story underneath is that these aren't actually his last days, that he, is, he has some plot to, to, whether it's to fake his death or he has immortality or he's going to disappear or something that, uh, oh, that the reader is hopefully left with the, the understanding that these are not his last days, even as much as they oh, yeah. look like it. Well, I mean, in his, in his na- we, could, we can do some stuff with his name because we could actually, oh, old man, so he's, he's old Quinn man. Oldman, <laughs> so he's an old man. But I kind of like the idea of Quinn because he, he could actually be five of him, couldn't there? Ah, he could. Ooh. He could be could yes. be Quinns. So so are we are we telling the story of one man or five men? Five men, five old men. Oh. And sometimes we're telling mm. like we're telling the story as it was perceived by as perceived by others. So sometimes they think it's all the same one old man. Yeah, <laughs> and so but it's, it, but, it's <clears> but it's a weird contradictory be. story because he seems to be doing in, inconsistent things. So, so yeah. when it says disturbed by his own non-Victorian feelings, is he disturbed by a, one of the other self's non? 
Victorian. It's, 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 a, it's a kind of non-Victorian feeling. So it kind of it kind of means that it could be anything, couldn't it? Because if yeah. something's non, then like, what does it, that mean? It could, Victorian could be anything. It's it's like if you ever meet an archaeologist and you say, "Well, how old's this?" and they go, "Oh, late medieval or mid mid you know sort of late medieval." Yeah. It could be anything. I mean, it really yeah. is. It could be all sort of within within the confines of human, you know, human existence. And you go, okay, all right, okay, that's that's good. Yeah, good aging. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting non non Victorian because we're presuming here that he is Victorian. That something about his feelings are are counter to the world around him. Yeah, because what yeah. are Victorian I mean, feelings? What does that even well, mean? Exactly. That's another, actually that's a really <laughs> yeah. very good point because I was I was chatting to someone the other day and they and they had read a book so it's like i hadn't read the book i was talking to someone who had read a book yeah. and and what they were doing was they were saying we're saying that we have a very narrow idea and it's and a very untrue idea of what mm. victorians were in in the uk and all this sort of nonsense mm-hmm. about prudishness and you know covering the legs of snooker tables and all this kind of stuff <laughs> victorian prudery um, was absolutely complete complete nonsense and the victorians mm. like every other human human in the history of humanity <laughs> uh-huh, were uh-huh. Yeah. at it like rabbits the whole time <laughs> with yeah. anyone they could so so i i don't know it's quite interesting because then you say non-victorian it's like well are we assuming these are the sort of very prudish victorian sort of very sort of straight laced sort of appearance or um or are we sort of lifting the curtain on the uh, on the sort of victorian era as a very different place that we've well, come and then to I expect. guess the, I guess the other question is this: Is this a different Victorian? Is he in like Victoria, Ohio, or mm. something? I mean, not that, but like, is oh, he in a completely yeah, different? Course. Does it have a completely different meaning? Oh, or, uh, or, yeah, is it, or is well, it like uh, by time era? You know, is he does he have yeah. non-Victorian? Like, is he a man ahead of his time in the Victorian era? That mm, kind yeah. of thing. Well, he could be in British he, Columbia, couldn't he? Because yeah, he's, yes, he's he, could. he grew yeah. up in, in Victoria, but then moved to British Columbia. And it's a bit less woody, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I was if I was reading a book and someone and it was all about you know the the sort of Victorians, and I think okay, and then you start realising that it's sort of set in Canada, I, I'd yeah. go oh, okay, I, I, I kind of like that. That's oh, a kind of little yeah. little exciting bit of difference. But yeah, it's a good. Why why are we thinking about the era? We could actually think about the place and there's a Victoria in Australia as well. So yeah. we could actually say this is someone who huh. ends up in places called Victoria. And he doesn't want to be there. So he right. has I was wondering about the sort of the sort of skipping around from Victoria to Victoria, mm. like mm. maybe ever, and maybe somehow that has to do with there being five of him. Like there's a there's one there's of him one for each, each Victoria. Victoria. <laughs> yeah, and that that has that has quite that's quite interesting because he could be married to Victoria, couldn't he? I was going to say it could so, be a woman oh. as well. It could be a person. Yeah, it could yes. be a woman as well, couldn't it? So. I'm just having a very brief look at Victoria's um, on Wikipedia. There's about fifty. Yeah. Yeah, fifty, a hundred. <laughs> so only five of them that, that he knows of. It's popular. That he knows of. That he knows of. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh dear. So that I mean, I think that could be interesting because that's it's kind of off kilter. You have five, five of this guy of this person, yeah. and they all live in Victoria, married to. Are all a woman of them fathers? Or just the one Probably, we're looking at. I don't know. A father disturbed by his own. Not- yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want to live with Victoria. Maybe, or he doesn't want to live with that Victoria. Because he could actually know another woman who is, by weirdly sort of quirk of coincidence, is also called Victoria. I think just, one, of them, one of them has to be the father of a child named Victoria. Yes. Yeah, that's true. 
But yeah, so that point, has to point, be a big, point of yeah, order. You really want to ring the changes, don't we? We want to, we want to make yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, we're, we're yeah, focusing but I on non-Victorian big, feelings, saying he doesn't yeah. want to be in Victoria or with Victoria or whatever, but he's disturbed by not wanting to be yeah. with Oh, no, or that could work. In. That could well, work. if you start that on a very, on a very, like, if you start that on the the basic level of why somebody would be disturbed by this, if it is, if he's the father of a child named Victoria and he's bothered because he doesn't seem to have any kind of bond with this child, okay. he feels like he should. Like, that's the, that's the simplest way in. And so yes. I'm wondering if that can then like spiral to other, other, other disturbances coming out of that. Like, that's a pretty simple one for him to just be, you know, without like shaking his world up and being like, there are five of me. Mm. But okay, I wonder if that's like our, our entryway in maybe. Okay, hmm. a thought just occurred to me. You yeah. know how sometimes they have those stories of like twins who were separated at birth and they end up being named the same thing, marrying yeah. women of the same name, living, you know, having the same job or whatever? Like, is this a case of separated quintuplets? Hmm. Yeah, or just like... Yeah, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of twins, you always want to avoid twins, don't you? Yes, in, but quintuplets in, is in, new. In <laughs> quintuplets is not but, twins, right? <laughs> You know, uh, but I think you know using because using identical twins in a in a in a, a crime novel is like you know it's just a complete no no. It's like introducing <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the murderer three pages from the end. It's like it'll you, yeah, yeah. you're going to get your book thrown out the window, aren't you? I mean, you really are. <laughs> so you know, and your second book will never be bought if you do that the first time around. So I don't know, but <laughs> yes. identical twins or identical triplets. I don't know. I, I was having the uh, this idea the other day about as you do, of course, is. Uh-huh. If if you had conjoined twins, right, and one yeah. of them mm-hmm. murders someone, mm-hmm. right, do you put them both oh. in prison? Because oh. you couldn't, could you? Yeah. Because you, you can't put someone who is innocent in prison. So I have this feeling that if you're a conjoined twin, you might be able to kill someone. Okay. okay. And, so and maybe... get away with it. I, f- I, f- I feel like that was part of, partly covered in a, in a season of American Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it? Makes sense. But we haven't done any of uh, conjoined yeah. quintuplets. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I don't think that's even a thing. But hey, it could be now, couldn't it? I feel like it's like a human thing. We're so sewn together. It doesn't have to be a horror. This could be a very warm, warm story. I mean, all all the stories are conjoined twins. There's never any horror. It's like the nonsense about um, uh, albino crime, isn't it? I mean, if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand that one. You know, I mean, have you have you two ever been a victim of albino crime? I mean, no. or heard anyone who who has been? No, exactly. Just silly. It's it's one of those terrible writery tropes. You know, oh, they're an albino. They must be evil. And you go, why? You're like, that's why? that's not a thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna get us our title, and we'll see if this clarifies anything or muddles things up more. Okay, our title. I'm gonna put it in the chat as well. Let's say it out loud. Our title is Dickinson, which Dickinson is a name. Huh. It brings to mind, obviously, Emily Dickinson, the poet, which maybe strengthens the Victorian era ties. Right. Dickinson was al- is also a town in North Dakota that I lived in for six years. Okay. Okay. It also <laughs> means the son of Dickens, so is Quinn's dad's name Dickens? And how does that add to the story? That's I don't know. That's true. Hmm. We have... Okay, so there's something, there's something here about these... They we're exploring all the different meanings of these names. The name of Victoria and the yeah. name Dickinson, and we kind of are jumping all around. And so, and the name Quinn Oldman, names are significant here. And so there's something, there's something to me about the names being the uniting factor of this, these five versions of him, whether it's five versions of him, of, of himself, like as an actual person, like five different versions of his soul, all identically living in other places, 
but the name Victoria and Dickinson are connected somehow in that I don't know if they were like if they if some some name associated with that caused the split or some name is calling the five of him back to rejoin together or I don't know the mm. the the significance of the many the many meanings of all these names is really interesting to me it's true now I don't know what to do with it but it's, <laughs> but it's interesting to me mm. yeah dickinson how are we going to yeah how are we going to put that together like what i'm seeing is almost like a <laughs> close encounters of the third kind thing <laughs> where they all like they hear they all hear the call of the aliens they'll start seeing the spaceship and hearing the song and it calls them to the specific place and so i'm wondering if there's something like that in these last days of quinn oldman and maybe there is last days because he recombines with his other four that that he gets disturbed by these non-victorian feelings and they seek him that they drive him to seek something out and we see the same story maybe pulled through all the different Quinn Oldmans, <laughs> thinking maybe initially that they're all the exact same person. And only, I don't know, I don't know. This is so tricky. <laughs> but like, I want to know more. That, if, what if that, they all share, they're on, they're on f- five different timelines, but mm, there's oops. one point in their life okay. in which they cross over. And, and that is where they help one another in the problems that each one of the five have. Yeah, but they don't know that the other ones help them because well, see, at that it, moment yeah. in which they they're all yeah. one, they 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 just do the same thing. So th- so for five minutes of their very long lives, or for the last you know in the last sort of maybe maybe quite near the end of their lives, yeah, the, the five timelines actually link together, converge, and become the same, and they merge, and the same thing that each one of the five of them does alters one of the other five so if you see what i mean so you yeah. so you can you can start the story with with one and you'd have to yeah. be quite tricky to try and figure out which one is different it maybe have yeah. to put them in i don't know very obvious different well, the, situations and then and the then just bring them through until they because because emily dickinson is a victorian era writer mm-hmm. yeah she and is. so would it be and and her and her poetry is so unusual and enigmatic and so I'm wondering if there's like something about her poetry that would trigger this or give him a clue or did he know her, one of him know her or. And if they're in different timelines, only maybe she only exists in the one. Right. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, do you want to yeah, hear? Yeah, I, I hear like her? the idea of. Yes. Oh, yeah, the, the switching timelines. I've just, hang on. I, I was just looking up because I, I happen to know, I, I knew a, um, there's a, there's a verse form called double dactyl. And the thing mm. about. Emily Dickinson is she is a, a a double dactyl on Dickinson. So um, here we go. This is from Wendy Cope who wrote this. I don't know Wendy Cope. Higgledy piggledy. Mm-hmm. This is how double dactyl verse form always starts. It starts with okay. higgledy piggledy. Two double uh, two double double dactyls. So higgledy piggledy. Emily Dickinson like to use dashes instead of full stops. Nowadays, faced with such idiosyncrasy, critics and editors send for the cops. Okay. Which is quite sweet. I Cute. Thought. It's quite tricky uh-huh. to fit in there, but but yeah. I like to, like to use dashes instead of full stops. It's appropriate. Appropriate. Uh, nothing. Uh, I just thought you might like a little Emily Dickinson poem. No, so, I, lo- I anyway. love it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, if we're talking but about dressed, last uh, days, yeah. using yeah. metaphorically using a dash instead of a full stop for the life of a Quinn Oldman. For the last day, like there's something that I like metaphorically about that actually. Like the, yes, we exactly. think his, we think his last day ends in a stop, but it ends in a dash, and he goes on into another timeline or something. I I, th- yeah. I think that 
that actually would work really well because the dashes right? instead of the full stops that Emily yeah. Dickinson used. I'm, she, she I'm didn't picturing like chapter titles taken from her poetry. And... Yeah. Mm, yeah, I think that, and there's and it would be public domain, so there's no problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I, but yeah, dash is better than full stop because a dash is just is a continuation, whereas a full stop is a is a full stop. So yeah, yeah I use dashes quite a lot where where I where I should probably probably use brackets, but I don't like brackets yeah. in novels. <laughs> so and and commas didn't seem right. So you can either use your yeah. comma to put a clause inside a, uh, another sentence, but I quite like dashes. Yeah. It just kind of yeah, I know, I, I overuse good. them all, and and when mm. I really should rewrite the sentence to be two different sentences. Yes. But I just, yeah. I just make it one long sentence with parentheses and dashes and commas, and then I'm like, "This is terrible! I can't read this. Nobody can read this." Yeah, so oh, yeah, this a, has so much a difficult one for yeah, that's a difficult one. Untold story of the last days of Gwyn Old and her father, disturbed by his own non-Victorian feelings. So we've got him non-Victorian. Hmm. Yeah, I but I like we're... the idea. Yeah, I like the idea of the five five of him. But that's going to be tricky yeah. to tell because yes, we're not going to like know what's different. Between. Yeah, well, I think that's, we have a lot that's of... what we have to do is the skill of our writing. Yes, and actually, we're right writing. at about we're right at about time. So we're going to say, listeners, so... this is a real open ended one. <laughs> I would love to hear anybody's thoughts on where this goes. What makes the the are we following just one Quinn Oldman and what makes them different? What are the non Victorian feelings? What is the connection to Emily Dickinson? What are the other four doing? <laughs> what are their timelines like? So yeah, there's so much to, we, we have this, this, this vague concept that you could absolutely like tease out little bits of all the way through until you had a full story. And I would love to hear some listeners, some of your ideas for teasing some of these ideas out. As always, anything, anything that you, that you share with us, we will, with your permission, share on our on our social media. So we'd love to hear your ideas and be able to, to brainstorm collectively as a community. So with that, let's go ahead and let's uh, head into our, our final segment where we're going to recommend a story for our listeners to check out. I'm going to recommend uh, a book I just read. It was my, my second favorite of last month after Jasper's book. <laughs> and it's called We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. Yeah. And it's a it's a field, a girls' field hockey team, a girls' high school field hockey team in uh, Massachusetts, in um, one of the most famous towns that the Salem witch trials happened in. And it's this group of girls who all kind of come together and sort of unwittingly end up kind of end up making some sort of doing some sort of ritual or pact to make themselves better at field hockey. <laughs> they become unbeatable, and it follows all these different girls throughout their last year of high school and. The, the magic is like just just enough there that it makes you wonder if anything's actually happening. <laughs> but mm. then you're also like, they could also be making this up. But the characters are so rich and I love following all their all their stories. And at the very end, the, the last chapter is them coming back for a reunion like 10 or 15 years later. And, uh, and I love that we get to see the, the paths that we see their paths start to diverge in high school. And I love seeing where they land at the end of that. It's just a really warm and really interesting and really creative book that I had a great time with. So We, we Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. Jenny, I'm going to toss it to you. What would you like to recommend this week? This week, I would like to recommend a new show on Netflix that I've been discovering. It's called Extraordinary Attorney Wu. And it's a Korean TV show. I wouldn't call it a straight, it's maybe a little bit of a dramedy because, so it's a story about this new lawyer, but the twist is that she is autistic. Mm. And 
So the whole show follows her as she starts at her first law firm and how she, how the people she's working with deal with her, mm-hmm. how the way her brain works assists in dealing with the cases of their clients, and also the way she advocates for herself as a person with autism spectrum disorder. And it's also just an adorable show to watch. She likes whales and whale facts, and mm-hmm. she likes palindromes, and the music is just quirky, and the interactions with the other regular characters are just fun, and it's just a really feel-good show, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Awesome. All right, Jasper, you get to recommend something as well. What's something, a story you think our listeners should check out? Well, I mean, this this is an old an old book. Yeah. Uh, but I re I reread it last year, and it was the best thing I've read that year. And it's uh, True Grit by Charles Portis. Ooh. Now, uh, most people will be familiar, perhaps, with the movie. The, there was a Heidi yeah. Steinfeld one that was made quite recently, uh, and there was a Kim Darby one made back in 1969. And I always defined them actually by the by the you know the major female role rather than yeah. saying it's yes. the Jeff Bridges, John the Wayne. John Wayne so and the Jeff Bridges, yeah. Yep. It, exactly. It's what we should actually say it's 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 uh, the Heidi Steinfeld and the Kim Kim Darby versions. Now most mm-hmm. people might have seen one or the other and and the the, the latter one, the, the Heidi Steinfeld one, is just brilliant. I mean it's a brilliant movie. Mm-hmm. But the book is absolutely fantastic. It is I mean it, it's a, essentially a revenge story because her her Matty Ross is this 14 year old so slightly bookish, very, very intelligent, impassioned, driven young young girl, and um, and her father is murdered by Tom Cheney, who then takes off into the Indian territories, as as she calls them, and she decides to go after him with the help of this drunkard, one-eyed sort of um, <laughs> marshal named Rooster Cogburn, yep. and it's 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 just the most lovely lovely story and even, i mean it's not a it is a western but it's not a western it's it's mm-hmm. it's a kind of a love story you know we think of revenge as being perhaps not a you know a fantastically great emotion but when it's fueled by love mm-hmm. then there's something mm-hmm. else about it within it and yes. her single-minded dogged um you know determination to bring tom cheney to book it drives the entire book as well as the fantastic dialogue i mean it, the dialogue just sizzles sizzles from page to page so anyone who hasn't seen Ooh. the film recently or you know uh, read the book i recommend the book you'll get it's a paperback it's not expensive you will have a cracking good read yeah nice. i don't think i even knew it was based on a book so i will definitely have to check ah. that out yeah, yeah. true great um, seen, charles yeah Porters. seen both the movies i'll have to read it Yep. All right. So, Jasper, before we go, we want to make sure that you can plug any of any of your stuff. So, social media or website or upcoming projects. Anything you want to share for where listeners can find you? Oh well, I'm I'm very easy to find. Uh, Jasper Jasper Ford at Jasper Ford on Twitter at Jasper Ford on Instagram. I'm currently trying to get a a sequel to a book I wrote called um, Shades of Grey. Not that Shades mm. of Grey. My Shades of Grey. <laughs> I, I wrote it about. T- I wrote it about 10 years ago and everyone's been really, really wanting the sequel. So I've said, mm-hmm. okay, Ooh. I will write the sequel. And that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm writing at the moment. But as you said, uh, I think I'm, I, the, one of the last ones, uh, last, uh, so I grown up book that came out was uh, Constant Rabbit. And mm-hmm. I would say anyone listening, if you want a sort of, uh, a, a bit of, a bit of a, a bit of a laugh, but also a bit of a moment every now and again, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very strange sort of, um, 
what would I call it? A sort of not a not a not a parable, a kind of um anyway, it's 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 about rabbits and humans mm-hmm. and how humans would deal with rabbits if rabbits were six foot tall and could talk uh-huh. and drive cars and stuff like that. So it just it just looks at basically how humans treat other humans within the framework of how mm-hmm. humans treat rabbits. So um it's it's a lot nice. of fun, but mm-hmm. it's um yeah, it's an interesting read, I think, but I'm I I was quite proud of it and it's very rare. I'm yeah, proud no, of I, a, a I can vouch for it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Definitely check that yeah. one out. Awesome. Yeah. Jasper, thank you so much for joining us. This one has been an absolute blast. Oh good. Well thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show. All right folks, that is our po- or that's our episode. As a reminder, you can find us every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts, and you can join our Patreon for bonus material. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WriteThisPod or on Facebook slash SomebodyWriteThis. And if you've been inspired by this episode and have questions or comments or a story or anything else, email us at SomebodyWriteThis at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks, and we'll see you then. And as they say, the hand that holds a sword should be kissed. 